Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app was built for hunters by hunters to be able to use online or offline in the field at the palm of your hands, turning your smartphone into a mobile GPS service. So one of the features I want to talk about within Onyx is the timber cuts feature. So the United States Forest Service timber cuts shows areas of logging operations in national forest land over the past five years. And in some areas, like in Pennsylvania, it even goes beyond five years. So Slayer is perfect for targeted thinned areas of forest, also targeting some older areas for bedding cover. I did a, a full video that will be coming out this week on the Mountain Buck Scouting Series that is on timber cuts so check that out over on my youtube channel search Bo martonic and you'll find the mountain buck scouting series subscribe there to to learn more about this feature if you want to learn more about the onyx hunt app and try it out for yourself use the coupon code emw that'll save yourself 20 percent off of the hunt app at onyxmaps.com Tethered Nation. So Tethered evolved from a, a burning desire to provide quality gear and resources to the saddle hunting community. Because the community is so small and a niche component of the greater hunt, hunting industry, the availability of saddle-specific gear and innovation was lacking. So Tethered solved this problem by designing, engineering, and producing the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. So if you're interested in the lightest, least bulky, most versatile and safest elevated hunting system in the world, then head over to tetherednation.com to learn a little bit more. And as always, with any of this stuff, feel free to send me an email or shoot me a message on social media and I can hopefully help answer some of your questions from my own experience there. And in addition to that, the University of Elk Hunting was put together from Corey Jacobson and Elk 101. It's the most comprehensive elk hunting learning course available. And what's so great about this online course is you it's a one-stop shop for learning elk hunting. You're not, you know, searching through forums, you're not reading through all these different websites. Everything is within this online course. And if there's anything that needs to link out, it's in the in the course itself. So say they have a link to Go Hunt, or they have a link to Onyx, or they have a link to one of the state's websites. All that is within there. You're not searching around, Google searching, spending hours and hours and hours getting nowhere on the internet. It's all in one place. So if you head over to elk101.com, click on the University of Elk Hunting, and use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST. That will save yourself 20% off of that online course. Okay, so... For today, I want to give a little bit of a, a story here. So for the, the Mountain Buck Monday social media post, and, and that's released here on Tuesday on the podcast, I have a story from a good friend of mine, Hunter Bardo. So this is what Hunter wrote. I was hunting the state game lands in northern Pennsylvania and had my climber up a tree tucked into some hemlock branches on a big bench about halfway up the mountain for the bow hunt for the bow hunting opener in Pennsylvania in early October. The fog was thick in the morning and I'd been watching six deer, three of which were smaller bucks that came into about 30 yards and was deciding on whether I was going to draw on them. I was still sitting in my stand when this guy came running in and or coming in on a fast trot and there was no more thinking. It was stand up and draw with an educated guess at the range, put the arrow through him and he went about 60 yards and crashed into a root ball. If you head over to the social media pages, you can check out at East Meets West Hunt or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook. You can see the photo of Hunter's Buck, which was a really good, mature mountain whitetail just an awesome specimen and a cool photo that really shows you know these big old growth forests on these side hills and in the, the steep northern pennsylvania mountains so such a cool story and um and a great hunt from a friend of mine hunter bardo so be sure to send in your mountain buck stories and for a 
for to be featured on the podcast and a little post on social media. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been giving me feedback on the Mountain Bucks scouting series over on YouTube thus far. The first two episodes have been released all about using Onyx to scout Mountain Bucks and Big Woods Deer, kind of learning how to break down the features um, what you look, what I'm, what I'm looking for on a map. I mean, this is a lot of this is my opinion, but some of the things I've learned, uh, put that all in these these videos. And this week, so coming out tomorrow on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, the Timber Cuts How to Hunt Big Woods Bucks and Timber Cuts is going to be released on the YouTube channel. So I'll be not only breaking down it with Onyx but also going into showing you these cuts in the field and what I'm looking for in them, kind of breaking that down. So I'm really pumped about this video. Timber cuts are one of the biggest you know, assets, in my opinion, for hunting a lot of big wood stuff. So please go over to the YouTube channel, which is just Bomartonic, and uh, check that out. Subscribe if you like it. Please give it a thumbs up and comment. Share with your friends. It helps out so much um, to get that going. And so what else has been kind of going on here with, with everything still being shut down here in Pennsylvania? I'm still working, but um, things haven't changed a whole lot me here personally just been um keeping up with my workouts doing a lot more running and um just did a little over six miles tonight and um and also working out in the garage gym which is which is composed of four kettlebells a step-up box that i built a piece of plywood on the floor to do some ab workouts and stretching on and sandbags and and my backpack so that's what i'm using right now to go through and do some workouts whatever, whatever way i can um so that's been been fun to kind of mess around and play with some different options there as far as workouts go and then also turkey season opens up on saturday so that's uh that, that'll be exciting here pennsylvania is later opening than most places so saturday may 2nd is the opener I'm going to get out and hopefully get a gobbler down. I did buy a bonus tag as well, so I'll have two tags this year. Haven't done that in a few years, but um, I figured I won't be traveling anywhere else. So let's uh, hopefully I can get one early and then try to go out and, and get another one at some point. But not going to count on that. Just going to have fun with it. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hunting some turkeys. Been still out scouting deer quite a bit. Uh, I took a little, you know, about two week break from it, working on the house and doing some other things, but I uh, got, got back out and picking up some sheds still, some really, really good sheds that I found in uh, Spring Seep and I uh, found a couple other ones, some older ones. It's been, yeah, I've been really kind of scooping them up, especially on these days when we get some rain, they stick out like a sore thumb. So I've been doing that and I just, I can't get whitetails off the mind, so I, uh, you know, I love, I love turkey hunting. It's fun to me, but this doesn't get, get me going as like whitetails do. So anyways, uh, looking forward to getting some turkey hunting in here. And on this podcast today, I have Tony Peterson coming on. Tony, I've looked up to his work and writing for years. He's very accomplished, very successful DIY public land, whitetail hunter. I mean, just hunter all around just passionate guy. Um, Tony and I have just really hit it off from the beginning here and um, it's a valuable resource for learning. And, you know, we, we were planning on just talking about going his turkey hunting trips that he uses for scouting whitetails. And we do cover that a little bit, but we go into even a little bit further into, you know, some of these stories and what it's like to travel to different states and destinations for whitetails you know, hunting sign, not just the memories from previous years, you know, killing two birds, one stones, like I said, hunting turkeys and scouting bucks, Western whitetails, getting a little bit of spot and stock and, and also hunting from a tree stand in some of these open country areas. And then just the whole aspect of a DIY whitetail camp and what that looks like. So hope you enjoy this podcast with Tony and, uh, 
If you do, please shoot me a message and give a leave a rating and review on iTunes. That really, really helps out. I appreciate the support there, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast, and I'm joined tonight on the line by a friend of mine, Tony Peterson. What's going on, man? Just uh, riding out this quarantine, buddy. Yeah, I was gonna say I it's uh I kind of know what's going on right now when I ask somebody that it's like oh staying at home or getting out in the woods when I can. That's about it, right? <laughs> yeah, we're in a weird place, man. But it's you know there's a there's like a weird I, like I don't want to I don't want to minimize the situation or anything, but there's like a weird deal going on where it's kind of a relief to not have to travel. Like I'm missing out a little bit on the turkey stuff, but at the same time, like you wake up every day, you know exactly what your life is going to entail. Yeah, you know it's it's funny you say that, and I almost feel like a sense of relief at a time because like I'm I was even the beginning of this year go 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 so much that it's like it's kind of and again I'm not making light of the situation, but it's just nice for me personally to have a little bit of a a break and kind of focus on some other things, tinker a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's it sort of narrows your focus when all those other options just go away, and you're like, okay, well, I gotta either shed hunt around home, I gotta scout some turkeys. Like, there's only so much you can do, and it's all like, okay, what's close to me? And it's just a, it's a different life, man. It's weird. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to buy that second uh, spring turkey tag for Pennsylvania now. Or I was like, oh, I don't need it. I'll go hunt Ohio, you know, and do something a little different. Eh, nope. I don't know if that's gonna be happening. So, <laughs> no, nope. I'm I'm currently recruiting uh, anyone who wants to shoot a turkey in Minnesota because we only have we only get one tag here. Yeah, and so you know, a lot of years I'm done on opening day. And then this year I've got these birds scouted out so well. I'm like, I, I got to take other people or something. You know? <laughs> Cause I, I might, I might be done in the first two hours and then I have six weeks of season with nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess before we get into this here, Tony, would you like to give yourself a little bit of a background? And I, I forget that, you know, the last time you and I talked, it was on your podcast. So yep. my listeners here uh, would probably like a little bit of an introduction. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I write for a whole bunch of different outdoor magazines. You know, I have a public lands column in Bowhunter magazine. I do a bunch of stuff for Meat Eater, uh, North American Whitetail, a lot of stuff on the bird dog side of things too. And I've got a podcast over there called Sporting Dog Talk. And then I, I host Hunt for Real, which is which is the podcast you were a guest on. And so those are, that's kind of my main focus these days. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've read your work for years now and everything and always looked up to you from a writing standpoint. And now with the, the podcast and everything, it's it's pretty cool to, to get to talk to you and get to know, know you over the last, you know, I guess only last few months, but it seems like well, longer. Yeah. I mean, we got a weird relationship cause I've, I've known you as well. And you know, as soon as we talked, it was, I felt, I'm like, I've known this guy forever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was telling, I, I can't remember where I told this. It was on a podcast the other day. It might've been one of mine, but it's amazing to me. I can tell almost within like five minutes of the people I talk to who are kind of driven in the whitetail woods the same way as I am and who aren't like, you can tell are very genuine. And I, I, I've been telling people, I'm like, as soon as I talked to Bo, I was like, that guy knows his stuff. Like this is <laughs> like, it, it was, it was like an easy one. And so, yeah, this has been fun, man. Yeah. That's cool. So, and so it's funny when, when you and I talked months ago and, uh, we were talking about you doing some turkey hunting, traveling and doubling it up to scout for deer. And it's like, that would be a great one to talk about on the podcast and go through. And then, um, we had a little bit of a wrench thrown in the situation with, uh, well, the whole world got thrown into a wrench here with the COVID-19 stuff and coronavirus, but, uh, I still like to, to talk about that one, kind of talk about your current situation and how that's kind of, um, maybe screwed up some of your plans and what's going on forward. So let's, let's, uh, let's take a step back and look at what your spring was supposed to look like here and what you've been up to. Yeah. You know, I, right now I was supposed to be in Nebraska, uh, hunting some turkeys on public land and scouting out some deer. And then in two weeks, I was supposed to be down in Iowa, which is, was a really scout deer scouting based trip. Um, I was just going to go run and gun with a shotgun and look over some public land, but you know, the places that I was going to go to, I've, I've been to all of them before either turkey hunting or deer hunting. And so I don't feel like 
missing out on the turkey hunts is going to screw up my fall deer plans too bad. But I was really looking forward to that Iowa trip to just get, you know, cause I only spent a couple of days down there last year and I wanted to scout it more. And now I'm thinking, I don't know if I'll get down there, you know, I mean, you got to decide if you're going to apply in May for that state. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll get down there before then, cause we can't really leave the state. And so yeah, it, it changes things a little bit, but it's, you know, the, the way things are now, I mean, I love the boots on the ground stuff just like you do, but if you've got a little bit of boots on the ground and you're spending a lot of time e-scouting, you can put together an awful good plan anyway. So it's like, it's like a true first world problem to complain about like, oh, I didn't get this, you know, go turkey hunting, scout deer enough. Like, uh, there's bigger problems. So, yeah, no, that's, that's so true. And, and, you know, in, in the past, even with, you know, topo maps and stuff, it was more di- it was difficult to scout from afar where now we have between onyx and google earth and everything you can kind of zoom right into different places and kind of get an idea of the layout of land versus the vegetation and you can come up with a pretty good plan and and normally when i get into a spot like that um i'd like to hear your idea of it but i just i go in and i spend the first however much time i need until i find the hot sign or whatever i'm looking for the time of year i guess i'm hunting uh depends on that but you know i'm, I'm scouting when i get in there anyways uh what, what does that look like for you um you know now with say you're gonna you're gonna draw that iowa tag this year i'm assuming yeah, I'm, I gotta, I, I want to go down there anyway. So even, even yeah. missing the chance to scout this spring, I, I'm going to do it. And you know, I'm the same way. And that, that's the thing about the e-scouting and, you know, when you can hop on Onyx any night of the week and just mess around and look, it just, it makes the whole process so much more efficient. Like it can't show you where the sign is going to be, but it can show you where they the sign probably will be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gives you just like A, B, C, D, whatever plan you need. And you can head in there and you're just so much more efficient and you're not walking into, you know, like you're, you're truly not going into it blind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if your first hunch is wrong, that's okay. Cause you're going to have backup spots. And I just feel like you still need that boots on the ground stuff, but it can happen while you're hunting or it can happen right as you start your hunt versus having to happen before. So, mm-hmm. It's, it's not that big of a deal. I just like to get down there and just, just to see the land in the, you know, the late spring and just know that's, that's a nice thing to see, but you don't have to have it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. You and I are, we've talked about this before, but we're very alike in that. I just like walking the land and learning it and yep. trying to, you know, figure it out whether that's my plan I stick to in the fall or not, who knows, but it's just, I, I like doing it and having that second, um, feel, but like with all the tools that we do have, it is, it is nice that you don't feel completely, you know, out in the blue, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that walk in the land, yeah, that's a weird thing. Cause you, you see people, especially with like their home farms or home properties, you know, whether it's public or private, if you, if you really get to know it and you've hunted it a long time, you actually almost get to a disadvantage because you, you think, you know, more than, you know, a lot of times from year to year. And when you get out to this new stuff and new public land and you're walking around a lot, you kind of realize like that it's not consistent year to year and you see new, new trends and new travel patterns and stuff show up. And so it keeps you kind of like in that sweet spot where, you know, you're, you're not, you don't know as much about a property where you get overconfident. And so you keep, you kind of stay hungry. I think, I think it's like a good balance. You know, and I, I always felt like I, I've always done better is from, um, I guess, success standpoint for the amount of days I put in the field if the ratio is there when I'd hunt Ohio versus I would Pennsylvania. And it was similar train, big timber, public land, but it was, I think I overthink everything in Pennsylvania so much because I get to scout it a ridiculous amount of time. And then I go there maybe once a spring, sometimes I don't. And I just, yeah, sometimes I feel like I over overthink it. And like you said, with people that hunt the same properties, you know, year after year. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, I, I feel the same way. And I actually think, you know, I, of all the states I hunt and the, the places I go to, there's so many times where if I've hunted a, a chunk of public in North Dakota or somewhere for five or six years, I show up and I start hunting on memories. 
and something has changed and it never, it's never the same thing two years in a row. And now I'm just pretty quick to recognize I still fall into that trap, but when you go to a new place and you're not hunting on memories, like you're in the moment and you're figuring stuff out. And it's a, it's like a hard thing to explain until you've experienced it. And you go, man, I know exactly what that means. You show up thinking, oh, last year in October, all the scrapes were here and this was money and they were traveling through here and you show up this time and somebody else has been hunting in there or some food source changed. And if you, if you ride that dead program, you just burn a certain amount of your time, you know, in not, not using it correctly when you could have been looking. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's so true. When you can really burn yourself. I mean, I've learned it from even running trail cameras in the same spot year after year. It doesn't, sometimes there's spots that you, that are fire for two, three, four years in a row. And there's other spots that I don't know what made them so hot that year. There was a food source maybe I didn't know about or something that happened, but yeah, it can, it can totally change. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I think about that a lot and I honestly, I mean, I know that there's probably contributing factors like soft mast or hard mast or, you know, nearby ag, depending on where you're at. But I really think that some of the stuff I see where it changes year to year is just predators. I just think whether it's humans hunting them or some other kind of predator moving in. Cause when you look at like some places deer are at consistently year to year, some of those sweet bedding areas and stuff that doesn't seem to change a whole lot, but where they're going and how they use them. And so I just, I always wonder like, what's, what's a big enough, what, what would have a big enough impact to change that? And a lot of times I think it just ends up being hunting pressure. That's interesting. And yeah, that that's that's really interesting. With I, I know as I'm as you're saying that I'm thinking in my head. There was a spot a few years ago that I had where I had the place all to myself, and it was it was great hunting. And for two years in a row, I killed a buck in this particular creek bottom. It wasn't the same tree, but in the same creek bottom. And then I was struggling in there the third year, so I think there was a. And then after checking my cameras after the season, I pulled all of them and I had crossbow hunters walking around and doing all this stuff, you know, just like literally like multiple crossbow hunters in a group, like just walking through the woods. Don't, (laughs) I I don't, uh, I'm not going to get into that, but uh, they were doing it. And, and I, it just made me think like, you know, that pressure changed one from additional people and also myself, I think I hunted it more and probably put a lot more pressure on those deer where from a food standpoint, I, I know if I'm hunting areas that ha- that I'm relying on say an acorn crop or something there that these big ridges, big Oak stuff, they, that can change year to year based on the food for sure, depending on the elevation or where the acorns are here. But if I'm hunting traditional big woods, um, in some parts of Northern Pennsylvania that don't have big oak trees and I'm just relying on brows and, and, and clear cuts and things like that. They seem to do the same thing every year on the food standpoint. And then it's more of a, a a pressure thing, but I, I don't know. I have definitely have not figured that out. It's just, I just take observations in and try to try to learn a little more every year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're never going to, it's going to be a, like a number of factors every year and it changes in every spot. And so it's just, it's one of those things you just kind of go, okay, well, how, however, this is happening doesn't really matter because it is happening mm-hmm. and, and you know, it, that's going to be consistent. Like the, the, the inconsistency of spots is going to be consistent. So whether it's, you know, hard mass falling over here versus over on this Ridge, or it's a bunch of crossbow hunters. You just know when you come into a new year, probably not the same as last year. <laughs> and yeah. it just, that's just the way it is. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. When, um, so when you're going into these spots, like I know you said your Turkey season's kind of screwed up a little bit this year and you're not going to get to scout some of these different places. You were talking about Nebraska and you, you whitetail hunt there too, right? Oh yeah. Yep. So that's all of your spots you traditionally travel to in the spring for turkey hunting. Do you whitetail hunt as well? Try. Try. Right. You know, North Dakota, you can't. Um, South Dakota, I've done some of that. Oklahoma, obviously, is too far away. So some states, yes. Some states, no. But if, if you know, I, one of the reasons, you know, Nebraska comes up a lot is because their turkey season is awesome. And, you know, you can buy a couple tags and they have that early bow season. And so it's just a natural destination. And 
you know, the whole reason I started deer hunting Nebraska is because I turkey hunted it and I'm finding sheds and I'm watching deer and I'm going, holy cow, this public land is awesome. And so it kind of feeds into that, you know, I mean, if there was, if there was more chances to go hunt new States for turkeys, then yeah, I'd, I'd probably be hunting different ones, but I've also used it, you know, probably I really got after Missouri for a few years with the turkeys thinking, man, you know, Northern Missouri is not very far away from me here in Minnesota and you're, you're hunting Iowa caliber deer. And I just never found in all the running and gunning I did down there. And, you know, down there, uh, their turkey season shuts down at one o'clock every day. And so you have half a day of nothing. So I scouted hard when I was down there and I never found one chunk of public where I was like, this is for sure worth coming back to. And so that's, that's part of it too. You know, like you don't always just go in and turkey hunt and find amazing deer spots. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I guess that can be good for that is also you don't waste your time in deer season. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's. That's why I like, you know, I, I like bow hunting turkeys more than gun hunting now. I just do. But as far as just being beneficial for deer hunting, getting out there with a shotgun and just putting your back to a tree and, and running and gunning traditional style, you see so much ground, man. Yeah. And it, you know, if you're out there all day, which, you know, when you're on a traveling trip, there's nothing else to do. So you, you can learn a lot about a deer trip by hunting that way. Yeah. That's, that's awesome way of doing it. Like, like you said, when you, and when you're turkey hunting, you're doing a lot depending on the terrain, but you're running it a lot where you're covering a bunch of ground. So you're able to scout and, yep. and do everything in the meantime there. But what, what, uh, makes me think about like, you know, say you went to Missouri and you didn't find great sign. There's places in Ohio. I've hunted a lot of Ohio from, I've worked there and just, it's close to Pennsylvania. So I've hunted a lot of Ohio for turkeys and for deer and it's funny just how different parts of the state and even public land places 30 miles away are so different. You know, if I wouldn't have spent time either turkey hunting them or scouting them in a different way, you know, I, I could have planned this whole trip that looked great on online to a place and been kind of a struggle <laughs> with it, you know, and it's, yep. and it's a gamble you pick. And that's why, you know, even when I travel to other states, I always have backup plans for that reason, but Still, it's that's it's nice to be able to go in there from a turkey hunting standpoint and and be able to to do that. And that's that's one thing. Like I said, when you told me about you traveling to a bunch of states and using that to scout for whitetails, I was like, that's it's perfect because all of us are crunched on time, no matter what mm-hmm. is going on. If you can double up anything, that's just being more efficient. Yeah, it is, and you know, even. It, one thing that people kind of seem to forget about whitetails is, you know, we think like, oh, rut travel or fall travel and fall home ranges and this kind of stuff. But you can see so many things happen in April and May that are happening in October and November as far as how deer travel and how they get from point A to point B. And, I, you know, like the, the best lesson for me, when I first started hunting Nebraska, uh, I picked this spot. I put up a turkey blind. And we were just, we were just looking for birds. I wasn't thinking about coming back there to deer hunt. And I could just see this, uh, long, along down this fence line where it was on one side was a private field, which was all where all the birds were going. And the other side was this, this hilltop above a, a Creek bottom. There was all cedars and kind of CRP looking grass. And so I could just see a lot and I, you could see kind of a traditional bedding area looking type of situation leading to food. And I was watching deer every morning and evening, take the same trails out, hop the fence in the same spot. And you know, this is April, right? Actually, that trip was probably the end of March. And I'm watching these deer go through like these little patches of cedars. And I'm going, you know, I talked to my buddy about, I'm like, we got to come back. There's freaking deer everywhere. And we came back. And the first year that we came back to deer hunt, I, I killed a buck that I called out of one of those little tiny patches of cedars in the same spot. And then a few years later, we went back and I killed the biggest buck of my life out of the same patch. And it's just, huh. it's like, it's like accumulation of experience of just of observing. So that wasn't like a, uh, you know, burn through ground and look for sign type of thing. That was just like, I'm sitting here watching them and it was such a traditional bed to food, food to bed thing. And when we, you know, when we travel on a Turkey trip, if we're bow hunting, we'll sit all day. It's, it's torture, but like you see a lot of what's happening in the woods. Then if you sit dark to dark in April, as long as those days are, and you see these little things happen, you go, man, why wouldn't a buck take that same trail in November? It's obviously 
leads from good cover to good food and it follow you can see terrain features and stuff and so it's it's a weird it's a fun way to figure out deer let me put it that way yeah and i'm sure especially with it being you know late march early april there's absolutely zero foliage on the trees so you know even if you were uh hunting that in october i'm not sure what the landscape looks like but you might you know struggle seeing that well as far as seeing that wide of a range of things just from the the foliage standpoint Yep. Yeah. And he, I've seen that, you know, obviously when you're talking those states that start creeping out West there, the visibility is just different. You know, I mean, you, you see it different if you're hunting in the Midwest or the East for sure, but the same rules can apply, you know, and, and seeing how, you know, there's so many times when you're, uh, when you're hunting public land where, you know, the covers on the public and all the foods on the private or, you know, in a lot of the ag type areas, and so you can see that movement that's just, it's going to be so consistent no matter what time of the year it is. And it gets a little different when you get into the big wood stuff, obviously, mm-hmm. but I've seen it with turkeys in some of those kind of transition areas to the big wood stuff where the clear cuts come into play and there's just different kind of ways to watch them and listen to them. And so it's, it you know, obviously it doesn't work as well in like a true big wood setting, but you yeah. still learn, learn a lot. And that's that's kind of where you get into like that run and gun, like just cover ground and look at the sign, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, it's intriguing to me because I've never, I've never hunted whitetails or turkeys for that matter. And any of those Western type, you know, states like that where they're, you know, they're, they're bed to food patterns different and just the way they use the terrain. Cause you're able to see a lot better. Um, and that, I guess it, it wasn't really planning on kind of heading this way with, with this podcast, but I think, uh, I kind of want to ask a few questions, you know, about that with, um, so were, you, were you saying that was Nebraska? Um, I've seen that in Nebraska and South Dakota. Yeah. South Dakota. Nebra- Nebraska has been my best I've, I've just put more time into it, but I've seen the same thing happen in South Dakota as well. Okay. And with, with that, like their, their bedding cover isn't probably as typical as you see in a lot of like, again, the, the Midwest and the Eastern States that have, you know, say, uh, more timber, uh, for say, so what, what I guess are you looking for when you're say, whether you're hunting turkeys or scouting in general, as far as what they're, what they're liking to bed in there, the white tails. Um, you know, that's out there, you know, you're typically hunting along Creek bottoms or river systems. And so you have a lot of bluffy stuff. So it's kind of, you know, benches and ridge tops and you, you get into that kind of scenario. But for me, I'm, I'm like, I'm not a big bedding area guy, especially because when I get into the big wood stuff, I just, I feel like there's so many options for bedding. Yeah. You, you, you know, I mean, it just, and it's not like I, I don't like intentionally ignore it, but I'm just, I'm a travel road guy. Like I just love seeing where deer like to walk and I, I, then, then you don't necessarily need to be on the destination or the, the beginning source. You just got to be in between them. And so like what I've seen in some of those States, it, you know, if, if you get it West, you can see where they're betting a lot of times. So I should say like, if you, if you're in the right glassing spot, you can watch them get up out of a, you know, a little patch of cover and you're like, well, okay, it's, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. He got out of that. He probably bedded in there, but, and so you can see that, but I'm just like, okay, well, if there's a, you know, brushy Creek bottom down here and the food's on top and I see the deer leaving, like you can piece it together. Like, even if you don't know exactly what they're betting in, you can get pretty close just because of the limited cover. So it's, it's just to me, like that kind of hunting is just way easier to figure out than the big wood stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so, I don't know, the the South Dakota, North Dakota, those areas, like even Nebraska are areas I want to go to to hunt whitetails at some point. I have a list of a bunch of places, but, but those areas have been repeatedly hitting my mind as places I want to go. It's just different type of stuff that I've never, never hunted before. And it's always intriguing to kind of hear. I like being able to see and do some more probably because I just can't hear. So, <laughs> well, dude, I'm, I'm the same way, man. Like, when I, when I first started hunting North Dakota, which, you know, I'm, I'm far enough West where I'm almost to Montana. So I feel like you're really hunting Western whitetails. Mm-hmm. I just could not believe I could climb a peak and I could glass in a couple miles in each direction. And you could watch deer cross the river out there in multiple spots and see them feeding through the sage and just the amount of deer you could pick up at any given time with your, with your optics from one spot. I was like the, the advantage it provides you is unreal mm-hmm. yeah that would be that'd be a lot of fun to be able to to do that and just see i know 
uh, this last year when elk hunting, it was the first year that I actually was in a spot that was more open country and I sat behind the glass a lot. That was so fun just to sit there and watch watch the, the woods kind of or the mountains kind of wake up and you know in the morning and watching them move and head back into their bedding and just it, it was you know from a long distance away where they're not they don't have really any idea that you're even there whatsoever yeah it's it's a the advantage is tremendous i mean that, that's one of the reasons why you've seen a lot of the the hunting media go to that kind of hunting with a rifle or with with gun tags because it's like man if you can get a good vantage point out west and you've got a tag for something like finding them is half the battle and then all you got to do is get within a couple hundred yards of them like if you want to make tv yeah i was just gonna say yeah, for making television <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it's like a it's like the best route to a lot of kills you know and it looks you know obviously when you get out west you get the aesthetics of it all so it's yeah you see that trending in that way but there is it is just you know when you're used to the confines of big woods and that challenge when you get out to some of those open states it's just it's so fun because you feel like you don't, you don't really hit those times where you feel like you're just out of the game. Like I don't have a clue what to do next or this spot died on me and you got to go burn a bunch of miles. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're out at first light or last light and you're on that glass, you're probably going to pick something up you can work off of to build a plan. Yeah. And so I, I guess with, with that being said, and you traveling a lot to hunt to different areas, what, are, what's your favorite type of terrain and, and like vegetation to hunt? Uh, favorite or easiest? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go through both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm in a weird place, man. I, I love that Western stuff, but it is the, e it's to me, it's the easiest. Um, it's just the easiest to figure out if you have five or six days. I mean, and, and the public land just generally isn't getting hit as hard. Um, my favorite just from a challenging perspective is like Northern Wisconsin stuff right now. Cause it just kicks my butt. And I like I like the feeling of walking in going like, man, I just, I know I have to work so hard for anything here. Like there's, you, you know how it is. Like when you're working yeah. the Bigwood stuff, like it, it just doesn't come easy no matter what. And I just, I'm, I'm like hooked on that part right now. Yeah. That's, I, that's interesting. I mean, Northern Wisconsin, I'm, I'm thinking Northern Minnesota is similar to that too. Is that yep. and Northern Michigan and Pennsylvania, New York, like all those places have a very, similar vibe and feel to it i guess and yeah it's it's funny no matter how much i scout which i'd probably scout a lot more than the the average person for it but i still struggle every single year at uh, getting it done and you know and i you get to those points during the season you're like do i know anything <laughs> yep. yeah it's it's uh I, I just, you know, I say this all the time but i just think it's the hardest i mean and i, I don't think you know we always talk about the north because that's, you know, that's where we live and that's where we hunt. But I think you'd run into the same kind of big wood troubles if you were down in Louisiana or Alabama, you know, Northern Florida, some of these States where you're, you know, it's, it's swampy, big chunks of public land. And, and I, you know, I haven't hunted down there a whole lot, but I think it would be a similar kind of a similar set of challenges probably. Yeah. And I, I've just from the podcast, mostly in social media, I've learned of so many other places like that. Like even Eastern Tennessee and uh, yep. the Carolina, North, you know, North Carolina and Virginia and West Virginia and all these places, and even getting up into the Northeast and New Hampshire and Vermont and there's just there's a lot of places like that and a lot of there's a lot more people that hunt big woods settings than you think. You know, hunting television and stuff has shown farm country stuff for the most part. Typically, it's the biggest deer, and that's what you're going to get the best footage of i don't do you do you do any filming when uh in the big woods stuff uh do you? i have um i i don't consistently do it because i can't stand filming uh <laughs> i just I, I like uh i i've had enough cameras over my shoulder so i i really appreciate not having that and not doing that yeah but i do you know occasionally if there's something something i want to lay down then yeah i'll do it yeah it's 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 funny because <laughs> i i laugh uh with I, I've never I've never had a whitetail hunt filmed before, and I've tried doing the self filming thing, and I just it, I tried it three different times, and like an hour, and I was like, I'm I'm never doing this again. And uh, well, this year I'm having someone film a hunt of me in, in Pennsylvania, and I'm nervous for it because it's like you can't you have such a small window, 
and like I can't wait for him to say he's on the deer. Like you know yeah. how it is. You get you have yeah. a couple short gaps, and if you don't hit those gaps, and you're you're out of the game. So yeah, it, dude, filming is. I mean, props to people who want to do it. I just if you if you can maintain control over your product, which you will, then then it's a different story because it's your thing. And, you know, you don't, you know, it, there's a different kind of pressure to that. And the stuff that I was involved in there, it was for somebody else. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't my show and the, the pressures and just the, the things that you had to do for it. I was like, I do not like this. Like it, it, in addition to how it just changes hunting and you have to think like when you're going into hang stands or you're going in to do a hang and hunt on public land, now you got to bring somebody with like, it changes freaking everything and it, and not for the better. It's yeah. not like, Oh, this, this got easier and more fun. Like it goes the other way. And so it's just, it's a tough deal, but when, when it's done right, you know, and you, you're seeing some of these guys out here doing an awesome job with it, then, it, you know, it's cool to see. Yeah. No, I, I think like, I think the film will turn out awesome, but yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those things. Like you said, I don't preset stands or anything. And I'm, then I'm as I'm scouting, I'm like, Dude, I got to look for, a spot for them to be in a tree and like, and then you get extra movement and you have all these, these extra components to something that I've already struggled with. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something that's going to be interesting. Have, have you, um, in your, in your times of, uh, you know, traveling to hunt and stuff, have you hunted in, uh, the Eastern States at all? No, I, uh, I had a few plans for different states at one point and I, you know, when I, when we had our little girls, I had to start looking like 10 to 12 hours from home tops, you know, and where I live, I'm like, man, I can get to the Dakotas in six to 10, 12 hours. I can get to Kansas, Oklahoma. And it was just really hard to say, no, I'm going the other way, especially cause I get, pretty I, I get like in the ballpark of eastern type of hunts with some of my minnesota stuff and definitely some of my northern wisconsin stuff and so i just have never done it. i will at some point just because i mean it's the same thing like someday i'll just load up the truck and i'll go to louisiana and hunt whitetails just because yeah. but at this at, at the point in my life where i've been traveling a lot it just hasn't been all that feasible to devote like elk trip time to a whitetail hunt somewhere you know mm-hmm yeah, that I mean that makes sense, and and uh, what I've heard from a lot of people is like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to travel, you know, halfway cr- across the United States to hunt <laughs> arguably smaller deer and everything else that you could have a similar experience in in different places. But yeah, I don't I don't care about the smaller deer thing. Like I I like cool experiences. Yeah, so I would go someplace. I I, I don't. I don't, I don't look at my travels like, okay, there's a bunch of Boone and Crockett bucks been killed out of this County. That's where I want to go. I don't care about that. I want to go where I'm going to enjoy camping and the hunting's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're, okay. So, okay. That's a, that's the next part I wanted to hit here is when you're traveling on these trips, whether it's the turkey hunts or whitetail hunts, what, what does it look like from a lodging standpoint for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what, whatever tents are made out of these days, some kind of, uh, you know, polyester blend or whatever they are yeah. canvas. <clears throat> no, I, man, I'm, I'm at a weird place. Like I, I love a lot of aspects of hunting, a lot of aspects of it, but what I really want to do is just go have a good time. And, and I mean that, like, I still want to work really hard and I want to, I want to put in the effort, but I want to hunt with a couple of different buddies who I really like to hunt with and I trust and I want to do it my way. And so it's typically hunting out of a tent. I mean, it's almost always hunting out of a tent, um, and on public land somewhere. And a lot of times, at least once a year, that trip someplace new, cause I just love the mystery of showing up in a new state or a new place in a new state and just figuring it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I figured that was going to be your answer. I didn't know for sure, but that's, uh, you know, that's the reality for most of us with it. And it's, it's one cheaper to be able to do that. And you're able to hunt more if you can, you know, instead of cutting those costs and everything. And, and I love that, that camp aspect. It's, it's one of the things my elk hunts I look forward to every year. And like this past year, we truck camp the whole time instead of backpacking. And that was just had a whole nother 
uh, level of fun to it, you know, just coming back and having a fire or doing whatever. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd miss my Southern Ohio whitetail trips from the, the camp aspect and everything. And, yeah. and I haven't, I haven't done that in a while because I've been spending all my vacation on Western hunts and, and I've been, and I'm looking to do some more whitetail trips like that. It's, it's always, it's always fun too. When you're, uh, after it's really cold, say during November hunt, all day in a tree stand, freeze your ass off and then come back and lay in a tent and then get up yep. and try to go do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that, that's one of the things about like the turkey trips. That's cool is you, you kind of get to like dip your toe in the water. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not like a full Western big game trip or not like a whitetail trip, but it's in the ballpark. And I think like what you said about just, you know, you hunt all day, you come back to camp, you start a fire. You're just in that. Like there's no checking out from that. Yeah. Like it's an, it's an immersive experience. And I always think like, I just, I just did a podcast with Kenyon about this, like, or we, we got on this topic, like it's so easy to just, you know, like constantly check your phone and like take yourself out of the moment, no matter what you're doing, it doesn't have to be hunting, but hunting is like an obvious example. And when you're, when you're, you know, like when you get out there into the elk mountains and it's like, you're, you're in that Oh, every waking moment, like you don't, you're not, you're not checking out of that, like looking at the news on your phone or anything like that. You're just like hunting all day or taking a nap on the side of the mountain or you come back and you're just like beat and you crawl into that little two man tent. It's just a cool, immersive experience where a lot of the BS of life is just like kind of put on the shelf and you don't even, you either don't have the option to, to check back in or you just don't want to. And I think that's like, I, th- I think it's more important than ever to, to go on a trip like that and experience it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's so true. I mean, I know with say some of my local whitetail stuff I do, or if it's a weekend thing, I never, I was talking to someone about this the other day. I said, I can't get fully engulfed in it, especially if it's like a weekend trip, just from the standpoint of, I, I feel like I, I haven't been able to kind of disconnect enough to, to get out of it where I, when I go on to Western hunts or when I was going on some, you know, Ohio whitetail hunts or other places that I was able to get away for a little bit, you know, I'm able to fully focus on the task at hand and living in that situation and, and, you know, being in that moment where it's, it's easy to get distracted when you have, you know, even cell cell phone service is a blessing and a curse for me. There's some places that I hunt, even in Pennsylvania that have absolutely no cell phone service and can make for a long day, dark to dark in a tree. But at the same time, I feel like I'm more attentive and yep. not screwing things up because I'm looking at my phone or, or doing this or texting someone. It doesn't matter when it's, you, you can kind of, you know, get away from it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it is weird. You get so used to having that constant entertainment, but I think about that all the time when I'm sitting in a tree stand all day long, I'm like, man, when I started out hunting, like this is just, when I was 12, that's what we did. Like we didn't, you know, you didn't have a choice. Right. And yeah. I, I can remember, I feel like such an idiot. Like when I started hunting, everything that I heard from my dad and like his buddies was, you know, they're, these whitetails are so on their game that like you had to look around really slowly and like couldn't hardly move or anything. And like, no, don't squat or swap mosquitoes or like, and now I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know how much you can get away with. And I'm like, that was just pure torture when I was, <laughs> when I was like starting out. Cause I thought, you know, we had the old face, ma- the net face mask on and like, you can't get away with anything. And it was just silliness. But it, on top of like those restrictions we kind of impose on ourselves, like you didn't have any entertainment. Like all you had was whatever was happening in the woods. And a lot of times that's absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. And yeah, I, I wish like there's like a some way of like a happy medium or if I could discipline myself a little bit more where it'd be like, you know, once every few hours you get five minutes or something or whatever that might be to to look at it. But otherwise I'll be sitting there and I hear there's a group, usually during the rut, there's like a yep. group chat with like my entire family on it and everyone's talking about what's going on. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm you know, sometimes you can pull yourself out of the, the game a little bit, but it does when you do have a phone available, it does make those long sits a little bit easier. <laughs> it it can. I, I just don't, I don't know if it's good for us or not. You know, yeah. like I, I think, you know, one thing that I kind of learned lately is, you know, having two eight year olds, I just watch like how quickly our kids are kind of indoctrinated in this world of screens. And, you know, when we were in the beginning of March, we were down in Florida. And so we flew down there like 
as like this situation, this COVID thing was progressing by the day. So when we flew down there, it wasn't like a huge deal yet, but you were kind of like, should we be doing this? And then every day, you know, it was like, okay, they're shutting this down. They're shutting this down. And, and by the last day we were there, they shut the beaches down, down there. So it had progressed pretty quick, but we were, we rented a house on the beach or on a, on a canal on this river down there in Fort Myers. And we could get to the beach quickly. And I'm like, we can fish all day long if we want right in our backyard or walk down to the beach and, you know, catch lizards and do all this cool stuff that we just can't do in Minnesota. And so I would just shut my phone off in the morning because I knew like, if I keep this on, I'm going to see all these updates. It's not going to change when we go home. Like we already had our flight home and everything. And so I shut it off and I could just watch like other people we were with. Like I I watched how much it affected them. And I'm like, the end result is, you know, you're still there on vacation for six, six, seven days and you're going home. And I'm like, man, we're catching snook and, you know, these mangrove snappers and all this cool stuff with my daughters. And they didn't, they don't know what's going on. They're just like, let's just do cool stuff. And if you kind of follow that lead and you're like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to put this away and and leave that world. Like there's nothing that's going to happen that I really need to know about right now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a relief, man. That's that's that point you just said there is so true. Like, because when you have and it's something you can't control, you have no control over. But by you reading it or or seeing it or whatever, it does impact the way that you live the rest of that day or however that you know might be. And and I even think that way when I'm at work. I try to. It doesn't always work this way, but I try to only look at my emails at certain points during the day too. Because other, if you're being productive, say from this standpoint, you're looking at it and then. You look at every single email that pops up, you derail yourself so much and you can't, you can't focus. And, you know, now I have it, it pops up on my watch now, but I'll, you know, just quick glance and if it's important and I'll deal with it, if not, I'll, you know, wait on it. But it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, it can definitely affect you. And same thing with, you know, whether it's a hunting trip or family vacation or whatever else, I guess. It- anything, man. I mean, you know, you're, you're doing some writing now. I mean, are you, are you working on kind of cutting out those distractions when you're sitting down to write too? I have to, I yeah. absolutely have to. Cause if I have, it's so easy for me to not, I have to be in the zone when I write, like I, I'm not a person that can sit there and write a little bit here, write a little bit there. When I'm trying to write something, that's a story I need to fully focus on it. And I don't know if that's just me or not, but I feel like it's, it, gets worse. <laughs> yeah, dude, distraction, man. I mean, it's like we, it's, it, if you look at it, like at its base form, it's just a distraction and it's not good. Like no matter whether we invite it in or we give it permission in, or we encourage it, you know, I always think about like, you take like a five-year-old lab or a German short hair and you put them in the CRP for pheasants. If that dog knows what it's doing and you watch it work, it's like just a thing of beauty. Then you throw a eight month old puppy in there <laughs> and you watch, watch what happens to that old dog getting chased around by that other one and hearing the other one run around the other one's jumping on it. It changes the dynamic of the whole thing. And you're still like, man, this is awesome. I'm still hunting and it's cool. And the dog's still enjoying it. But that distraction coming in and out of that dog's life, it like filters through everybody's experience and it just changes it. And so it's just like, you just kind of got to look at life and go, man, I, I need to minimize some of this stuff that doesn't really need to seep into my consciousness right now. So I can like be in the moment. Yep. Because I, I can't tell you, I mean, I'm guilty uh, of it as, as anybody, you know, sometimes I waste so much time on things on my phone, whether that's social media or email or internet or, or research and things that, I'd, you know, just, I, I go through so much. I realize how much time I wasted doing it. And I'm like, so whenever I start getting overwhelmed with say the amount of things I need to do, all, all I really need to do is cut down on the time wasting things and I'll be okay. <laughs> you know, it's, I, yeah. I, I have, it takes me a little bit to come to grips with that, but uh, <laughs> it is, yeah, dude, it is what it is. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's like, and, and it's everybody's problem. Like yeah. we're, we're all addicted to it. Like it's without question. I mean, there's probably like six people in the country that aren't addicted to it right now. And it's kind of like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think you almost have to look at it like exercise and diet right now. Like it, you just got to take personal responsibility for your part of it and go, how much of this is okay for me? And, and where do you hit that level? That's, that's not good for you anymore and have a little discipline around you. And it's, it's freaking hard, man. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so 
Tony, what what is your I guess with everything going on, what does your fall look like as of right now? <laughs> uh well, so far, um I'm I'm probably gonna go to North Dakota for their opener and do that right away in the beginning of September. And I'm hoping to draw the any deer tag so I can hunt mule deer and whitetails. And then I'll come home, I'll hunt Minnesota, and I'm going elk hunting, hopefully in Colorado, if everything works out yeah, and come back, um, I'll hunt the, uh, Northern Wisconsin deer pretty hard. Then I'm going to go to Nebraska and do like a mid October kind of, uh, uh, pre pre rut scrape type hunt then in a, in a new area, I think. And then I'm going to draw that Iowa tag and that'll be my big rut hunt. And when, when I was over, I'm putting my bow down and I'm going to go pheasant hunting. <laughs> so Yeah. That's it. You talked about that. You're, you're big into, big into pheasant hunting too and bird hunting in general. Oh, uh, dude, it's a, uh, it's like my escape after sitting in a tree and, and working on whitetails all fall. I just, to follow a dog around and shoot birds when they jump out of the grass is it's fun. Yeah. That's awesome. I, uh, I'm definitely, I definitely want to have you, uh, back on closer to hunting season to talk about some of your early season stuff. Cause you hunt a lot before the rut too. And, and I always see you, you're always one of the first guys that pops up being successful in multiple places and in times when, you know, not, not as many people are, are doing that. And I, I'm going to pick your brain on that at a, at a different point. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that, man. I, I, I put in a lot of work to try to be tagged out quick in a lot of states and, and, you know, I mean, it's a people, I, you know, I've written about it a million times and talked about it, but it's, it's mostly a function. It started out as a function of being in Minnesota where our gun season opens the first weekend of November. So I, I, the entire time growing up in bow hunting, I never counted on the rut for anything. It was a non-issue because I knew the woods, I I knew I wasn't going to hunt when the rut was on. And so it kind of just happened and it just you know, now it's partially because I want that time with my dog out there. So I want to be kind of tagged out by mid November if possible. And, but yeah, I'd love to talk about that. There's a lot to that early season stuff that can be really fun. Yeah. And that's what I, I am really from a selfish standpoint and hopefully other people learn from it too, but from a selfish standpoint, I, I want to, I definitely want to pick your brain on, on that. Cause that's, you know, an area for me personally, I haven't put as much time into, nor have been, you know, as, as I guess successful with that, that strategy. I feel a little bit more lost with it than I do when, when you're hunting bucks that are a little bit stupid. <laughs> well, the season goes it, on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's part of it is just a matter of you, you're forcing yourself to hunt. Like if you go on an early season trip somewhere, like you, you can't wait for the rut or you can't go like, Oh, I got to play it safe and wait for a better time to hunt. Cause you don't have that option. And then when you do that and you realize like, okay, I'm just in this now and I'm, I've got, you know, 10 sits total before I got to go home or something, you got to figure them out. And what you realize you can have awesome hunts in that hot early weather. It, it's just a different kind of game. But I, I honestly think in some ways when you're a public land hunter, that early hot, you know, warmer weather is easier than the rut. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Just, it's a people factor. Yeah, that, that's true. Everybody that's taking an out of state hunt or, or taking vacation is normally taking it in the first couple of weeks in November. Well, yeah. And, and all the residents, like think about, you know, think about your average bow hunter who might hunt, you know, six or eight, 10 days a year. When's he going to hunt? Yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, September 5th when it's a hundred degrees out. You know, it, it's the same thing. It's not going to be when it's pouring rain, it, you know, like there's, there's certain times when people are out there and you just know there's going to be a huge influx of people into the woods around the rut. And, you know, I, I would rather, I love the rut, but I would rather be out there when there's fewer people and the deer are dumber and I can, I can get on them more naturally than when there's tons of people. And I'm hoping on that randomness of the rut, you know? Yep. No, I, I'm following you there. So Tony, I I hope that uh, your Minnesota turkey season goes well, and you find some people to be able to take out and have some fun with. Since your the rest of your springs, you know, uh, taking a little bit of a dive. But more importantly, I hope that you know you and your family stay safe during all this, and yeah, we'll we'll get through it. Yeah, it's it's 
it's going to come to an end and we're going to all breathe a huge sigh of relief and we're going to buy a bunch of over the counter tags and we're going to, we're going to all get out there and we're going to be, we're going to be happy that we, for a little while in this country, we came together and felt pretty good about taking care of everyone. And I think it's, I think it's going to be pretty neat when we come out of this. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, I'm looking forward to that part of it. I'm sure definitely, <laughs> as people definitely. are, but anyways, Tony, where can people find some more information on you, your podcast and everything else? Um, the podcasts are easy to find, you know, anywhere you can find podcasts. So it's sporting dog talk and hunt for real are the two podcasts and they both have their websites and the social, uh, if they want to read some of my stuff, you know, the meateater.com has a bunch of it, uh, bow hunter and their digital platforms and North American whitetail and gun dog and a whole bunch of those places too. So there's, there's, there's ways out there to, to find all that stuff. Yeah. Do you search your name and write the name, write white tail behind it? You're going to find a whole bunch of stuff in Google too. So <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I hear. I learned a long time ago, not to Google myself. So I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, anyways, Tony, I really, really appreciate you coming on here this spring. And again, our conversation, uh, went differently than you and I both planned going into it with the situations, but I had a lot of fun with it and think that there's a lot of good information here. Definitely. I appreciate you having me on, buddy. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.